Well, good morning and happy Father's Day. It is great to have you with us today. I love that last song, Behind Blue Eyes. It's a reminder that often behind the confidence we have as men, there's other deeper emotions going on today. In fact, today we're gonna look at some of the uh, visions of what it looks like for God or Jesus to be our father, but a particular father, a father who's passionate about his children, even sometimes you know, using anger or frustration because he so cares or loves his children. So I don't know what's behind your blue eyes or black eyes or brown eyes or green eyes, but often there's a cauldron of emotions we feel as fathers. In fact, I was talking to a friend recently, a husband who goes here to the church, and he was asking for advice because recently married, he said, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to deal with my anger and I'm not sure I know how. So I've been through counseling a few times and the counselor says that when I get irritated, when I feel under attack, when I feel criticized, my reptile brain kicks in. He said, I said, well, what's a reptile brain? He said, it's, it's kind of that, that part of you that is fight or flight and you don't really listen to what they say and just kind of explodes. And, and, and I know when it happens that I've hurt my wife. I know when it happens that I'm harming my children, but I don't know what to do. So we began to chat together and I said, well, what you're describing as reptile brain is what psychologists call your hippocampus. It's the part of your brain that remembers being under attack in the past and the habits you've developed, but maybe the thing you need to differentiate between is between good anger and bad anger. He said, good anger? I said, yeah, the Bible doesn't say anger is wrong. There's a lot of things, righteous things, to be angry about. And as a father, as a husband, there are things in this world that are broken and we should be angry about it. However, the Bible says when you're angry, do not go wayward. Do not let that anger, that emotion, which is good, take you down the wrong path. And he's begun to do some incredible work. I've watched he and his family members together begin to grow closer to God and moments that that reptile brain or hippocampus campus is trying to, to jump in and take control, I'm seeing more and more him reach out, ask God for help, Heavenly Father, train me here, help me here, and he's seeing incredible changes occur when instead of listening to his reptile brain or his hippopotamus brain, he's starting to listen to his Holy Holy Father talk to his brain during times of anger. And that's the nickname we're looking at today. I think in a culture that has a tendency to demonize manhood, everything is toxic masculinity, we're gonna look at some real aspects of passion and strength and courage and that warrior-esqueness of, of manhood that God affirms and reveals Jesus to be like here in Hebrews chapter 12. In fact, it's one of the reasons we have men's groups. It's one of the reasons we have women's groups and we put people into groups together because often you can't see when you're angry and you don't have the skills to help yourself move along. We need access to a heavenly father. We need access to other people who can help guide us, direct us, nudge us, bumper us back into our own lane. Here's what it says in Hebrews talking about Jesus and his, his nickname here. Shall we not much more readily 
be in subjection to the father of our spirits and live. It's like we have a father of our spirits and, and he knows how to direct your spirit, what you want, what you think, what you're feeling. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live? For they, our earthly fathers, indeed disciplined us for a few days as they seem best. But he always disciplines us for our profit. Here's what we're going to look at today. This nickname of Jesus as our Holy Father. It's the idea that God uses bring back anger, not pay back anger, to steer our spirits, not to stomp on or crush our spirits. See, there is a proper place for passion and courage and strength and even anger. But as we learn how God uses anger appropriately, we as fathers can do the same. How do we steer our children's spirits to become the best version of themselves? How do we train them and help them and guide them? How do we follow the example of our Holy Father and instead of trying to crush the spirits of our daughter, our wife, our child, those we work with or work for, but instead steer them in the right direction to become the best version of themselves. So today I want to give you three aspects of our Heavenly Father that can be incorporated into your life as an earthly father. Let's look at the first one together. The first thing Hebrews mentions is that my father patiently endured difficulty for me. And since my father endured difficulty for me, He's been down this path for me. Don't become weary when life has a tendency to try and wring you out and try and wear you out. And you know, parenthood can do that. Parenthood can wear us out. And yet we have a father who's taken the burden of the world on his shoulders and he continued to endure. And as he did that, he wants you to know that his endurance, his strength, His self-control is available to you and I as fathers as we control our anger, our fear, and our passion as well. Here's what he says in Hebrews. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits? Now notice the word father there. And live. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Now he's talking about Jesus on the cross. Think about what God did. God the Father came to earth and he endured hostility from those Romans who pounded nails into his hands and feet and he did that as your father. He's fighting for you. And notice here, he calls him father of the spirits and then references him, Jesus, who endured on the cross. This is this connection here between God the Father and God the Son. Hebrews is telling us that Jesus is God. Now, have you ever had someone in your life who endured? They were able to overcome something that maybe you want to or you need to. It's a business mentor. You begin to step out on your own and with that, you're going to have your own startup. So what do you do? You go find a mentor, somebody who's endured the challenges of uncertainty, putting together a team and you say, could you show me how you succeeded and endured in this challenge? And then you ask for their advice, right? 
you're becoming weary trying to steer the ship until you find a mentor who's endured. How about a diet? I'm trying to lose weight. But what do you do? You find somebody who successfully has done what you want to do and endured and persevered and say, hey, tell me about that. Encourage me. Give me some of the tricks of the trade. Or maybe you're a trainer and you want to run a marathon for the first time. Same thing. Who do you know who's endured, who's trained, who's figured out how to get their spirit in line to have what it takes to run that marathon? And you say, tell me about that. Or maybe in marriage. You say, I want to have not just a good marriage, but a great marriage. How do you do it? Well, you go find somebody who's not been married two years or five years, but 20 years. And you say, tell me how you seem to still like each other, let alone love each other. How did you endure the challenges of all these different seasons of life with kids, without kids? Give me your secret. See, when you have access to someone who's endured and overcome, and you have access to their wisdom, their courage, and their knowledge, you don't become weary in your own circumstance. Now that's what he's getting at here. That's the idea that when you know you have access to the father of your spirit, you're going to, when you become weary in your soul, say, Father, I need your help here. And you lean into your father's wisdom and strength. You see what he's overcome and you trust him for your own life as well. Now, as I mentioned, there are people reading this letter and it's not theoretical for them. These are people enduring incredible hardship. They're growing weary because the Roman Empire, the Roman dictators are actually punishing Christians in those days. And we're talking burning them at the stake, throwing them into the Colosseum. And so the writer here is not just giving kind of nice thoughts for people in average circumstances, but people who needed to endure and not grow weary in the worst of circumstances. And remember how I mentioned that our heavenly father uses bring back anger, not just payback anger? We're gonna get to that in just a moment, but the idea is true here. He endured, there's things to be angry at. He was angry at the injustice, the Romans torturing people, and God came down to earth to overcome death and to overcome the, the, the hatred and evil that was on earth. And many times as men, as warriors who follow the heavenly father, the holy father of the Bible, we need to stop and stand up and speak against injustice, to speak against things that are wrong. In fact, in the Roman Empire, there was a man named Telemachus and he had come from Africa. He was a monk and he had made his way to Rome. Now, when he arrived in Rome, he was shocked to come to the first games in the Roman Colosseum. He had nothing like that back in Africa. He's sitting in the stands watching these gladiators come out before the emperor. We who are about to die salute you. Then he watched this bloodthirsty sport as they jabbed and fought and killed each other to the death. 
he was shocked. He began to cry out from the stands, stop this, no, no, forbear, he said, forbear, stop this. The crowd laughed at him, ha, ha, ha. He said, somebody has to stop the ruthless killing of these gladiators, of these Christians, of these people forced into the Colosseum as slaves. So he went down to the front of the Colosseum. He began to cry out to the emperor, stop, forbear, forbear. Again, the crowd mocked him. Then he climbs over the wall and jumps down into the sand. He makes his way to the gladiators who are fighting each other. He says, do not forsake the mercy that your God has given you by, by not dying in war, by killing each other in a Colosseum. Forbear, forbear. And with that, one of the gladiators, knowing it's a fight to the death, ran the monk through. And then the other gladiator did the same. And initially there was a, a cheering amongst the crowd, but pretty soon there was a, a hush on the crowd. An innocent man crying out to stop injustice, it made an impact. In fact, in Fox's Book of Martyrs, they trace back that the dismantling of the Roman games can be traced back to the word of one father, one man who stood up against injustice and changed the Roman games and changed the Roman Empire. So there's aspects of our heavenly father, this father of our spirits, he endured, just like Telemachus endured difficulty to change the world around him. So what's the second aspect of a father? See, the second aspect of our father is this holy father disciplines with a bring back. When I'm angry, it's not because I'm mad at you. I'm mad that something is trying to destroy you, some habit, some temptation. So when your father disciplines you, he's using bring back anger. It's restorative in its goal, not payback anger, because I don't like you. Here's what it says. You have forgotten the exhortation, the encouragement, which speaks to you as sons. You are God's son. And as his son, whatever discipline, whatever circumstances, whatever challenges he lets into your life, it's because he's trying to train you and develop you and bring you back to understand the very best of life. My son, you're a son of God. You are loved by your father. And if you know that, then you don't see his discipline as payback anger, but as bring back anger. Let me bring you back to the fold. Do not despise the chastening or the discipline of the Lord, your holy father, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. I mean, what makes you discouraged? I tell you what makes me discouraged is when it feels like I'm alone, life's out to get me, God's out to get me, or when the stuff I'm going through feels meaningless. Like what good could possibly come out of this circumstance? You ever been there? I've been there all the time. What he's saying here is that when that happens, you have a tendency to say, is life mad at me? Is God mad at me? And now there's this distance between you and God or you and the universe because you wonder if you're loved or cared for and it feels so meaningless. What he's saying here is whenever you go through difficulty, remember your holy father is disciplining you or allowing you to go through this, not because he's mad at you, he's trying to bring you back to understand, to get close to him, 
so he could wrap his arms around you and offer you the love and the courage and the strength you need. Now, the same thing is true for us as fathers. I gotta admit, I've lost my temper many a time and I've had to apologize to my kids when they were two, when they were 12, and even at 20. I'm sorry, I was too sarcastic there. When I got angry, because why do you keep doing this? But it moved from bring back anger, hey, you gotta stop this, it's gonna hurt you. And it was more payback. I don't like that you're making me irritated. We need to apologize for that. As many of you know, I've been learning how to fly several years ago. Um, Still hobbling along, doing all right at it. I heard a story about a father who used his time in the cockpit to train his, his son and to really have these important fatherly moments. Here's what he said. He says, since I'm a pilot... It's the steady vibration from the engines or just a time away from distractions such as TV or video games or computers or iPad that I use whenever my son and I are, are disagreeing. See, since I'm a pilot, one method I found to be very effective for me is just take a child on a short flight during which I say nothing and I give the child the opportunity to reflect on his behavior. Again, I'm not sure what's causing it, the vibration or the time away from video games. But either way, my kids usually calm down. They stop misbehaving after our flight together. I believe that eye-to-eye contact during these sessions is, is utterly important in achieving the desired results. I've included a photo of one of my sessions with my son in case you'd like to use the technique. And here's the photo that he gave. Eye-to-eye contact, it's a vibration, right? Okay, he didn't really do that. But it's a joke with the idea being that there's times that if we don't teach our kids how to deal with their anger in an appropriate way, we really do, not on the outside of the plane, but we talk to them. What's going on? What were you feeling? Let's look at those emotions inside. That's what bring back anger is. We're helping our kids process their own emotions. Now he goes on. And he says, when you understand this about your father, you're going to realize dad's here to help you, not hurt you. Dad is not disowning you because of these circumstances. No, he's just disciplining you or working with you. Do you see the difference between knowing your dad is with you to help versus hurt, to discipline versus disown? It changes your perspective on your circumstances. Here's what he says. Now whom the Lord loves, he chastens. That's discipline. And scourges every son. Again, that's a strong word for discipline, but he scourges every son he receives. If you endure discipline, God deals with you as as with sons. He's trying to get the best out of you, challenge you to be the very best version of yourself. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all of you become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. So this whole idea he's getting at here is that he wants you to know you have a father who is for you and he's using bring back anger when you're getting into bad stuff to bring you back to a safe place, a growing place, and a better place. I had a next door neighbor who wasn't really a big fan of faith or Christianity. Occasionally, he'd need some help moving something out of the garage, and I'd walk over and help him move it. And he would immediately start bringing up his favorite quotes from Richard Dawkins or Christopher Hitchens about why anyone who believes in God was an idiot. I said, oh, I love Christopher Hitchens. I love their arguments. I love to understand their perspective. Really? 
Well, we used to have our services back at Cincinnati Country Day School in Indian Hill. He happened to be dropping his kids off one day, and when he was dropping his kids off, he realized services were going on at the same time. He walked in and said, I didn't realize my neighbor Chad was the dearly beloved guy, so he stayed for a sermon. When he stayed for the sermon that day, one of the interesting things is that he heard me speak on this concept of good anger versus bad anger, bring back anger versus payback anger. He said, that was actually a pretty good sermon. Probably gets lucky one in a hundred. And he kept coming back. In fact, I just got a phone call from him. It's been about eight years, maybe 10, just last week. He said, Chad, I'm living in a different part of the country. Man, what happened during my time at Horizon really connected me with God. Do you guys have online services now or any way I can keep up with what you're doing? I've never really found a church to connect the way I connected there. I I was so humbled that God would use me, fatherhood, this concept, and our services back then to impact my friend, to move him from hostile to Christianity to curious. And I was even more humbled. He called me up and said, I'd love to keep watching services online even now. It's just powerful when you understand. And, And for him, he was convicted at the time that he wasn't disciplining his kids with bring back anger, but a lot of payback anger and needed to change. All right, there's a third aspect of fatherhood I'd like us to look at. Our father wants to train us. He wants to make our spirits, remember, steer our spirits. He wants to make our spirits whole, to fill us with love and joy and patience and and to be trained by it. That's why if you only see it as discipline or anger, you've missed the point. No, no, no. He's a trainer. He's a mentor. He's trying to fill our spirits up and make them whole with the good stuff of life and allow the good stuff to train us. Here's how he says it. Furthermore, we, we had human fathers and they corrected us, right? They wanted the best for us and we paid them respect. Thanks, dad. Took me 10 years before I realized how important that was. Shall we not much more readily, if we respect our earthly fathers, respect our heavenly father, the father of our spirits who's trying to make our spirit whole, to make us live the best kind of life. For they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he, look, it's not because he's mad at you, for our profit, so that as we're trained, we can become partakers of his holiness, the wholeness of life. We can take hold of that because of how he's trained us. He goes on. Now, nobody likes discipline. Nobody likes chastening. It always seems not joyful in the present, but painful. I love that. Nevertheless, afterward, after the pain, after the difficulty, it yields, something comes out of you after you're trained, peaceable fruit. The Bible describes what's called the fruit of the Spirit. When you invite your heavenly Father to come and live in you, he plants in you a tree that produces fruit, gentleness, courage, self-control, joy, self-mastery, because the Father's Spirit's goodness is coming in you. That's the peaceable fruit he's getting at here. He goes on, you get peaceable fruit of righteousness, but not to everybody, to those who've been trained by it. Now the word trained here is where we get the word gymnasium. Gymnasium. 
It's right there in Hebrew, or Greek rather. It's the idea that the Greeks would go to a gymnasium, they would throw off their outer garments and train themselves to be faster, to be stronger, to be better. God's doing the same for you. What if you knew you had a heavenly father who's putting you in the gymnasium of life? I do not want to go through this time in my marriage or with my kids. I don't want to have to know what it's like to go through cancer, God. I know, but I'm putting you in the gymnasium and I'm going to train you. And if you let me train you through this, what's going to come out of you is not bitterness. What can come out of you is a type of joy and self-control and peace you never knew possible. I tell you, there's one guy who knew how to master his own anger and how to get close to God, and that was George Washington. Fascinating that George Washington had a, a very, very serious problem with his anger. So much so that one time, all of his men were beginning to retreat. They were just about to go into battle against the British Steel. And before they even arrived, everyone dropped their swords, bayonets, and began to just take off, turning into a giant mob of people. And George Washington lost his temper. And it was well known, Thomas Jefferson said he was high strung and his anger was ill-advised and he lost his temper. He runs with his horse through his own men with a whip and he's whipping them on the head and whipping them on the shoulders. You cowards, we haven't even seen the enemy yet and you're running away. Well, he knew that in order to be the best version of himself, he knew what it was like to discipline men in the army. So he decided he needed to get closer to God and begin to discipline his own anger. Now, it would take a while. And often, the gymnasium, it takes a while to be trained, right? The same thing's true with God. God, train me. I lost my temper again. God, help me apologize again. God, help me to catch it sooner next time to be trained by the gymnasium of God. In fact, one time there at Mammoth, and his second command retreated, and that was not the order. George Washington showed up, and most people had never seen this side of him. His anger and the guy could swear. In fact, his second command said, that day was tough, and it called for swearing from anybody. And George Washington swore like any man. In fact, he swore so badly it made the leaves on the trees shake. Never have I seen such beautiful swearing. He swore like an angel from heaven. Now, the bottom line is, as human fathers, we're going to lose our temper. We're going to not do things right. But God wants to put us in the gymnasium to train us. And George Washington spent the rest of his life training this area of his life. In fact, he had a mantra, three aspects of what he called self-mastery. Fortitude, justice, and moderation. And he used these three ideas to say, God, help me to discipline this part of me, this weak spot in myself that needs to be trained. The father of our spirits, offering three aspects of his fathering to challenge our fathering as well. So what's our key takeaway? Well, what if you and I could interpret our, our parenting and interpret the pattern of how we parent as well as the pain in our life through the example of a good father? What if whatever's coming your way, you say, 
What if a good father put me in this circumstance to train me? How would it change your perspective? What if when you and I are parenting, we said, am I looking at this aspect with my son or daughter through the lens of a good father? How would a good father handle this? How would a good father deal with this circumstance? Imagine walking through life with, the, with like giant glasses on. Say, God, you're the perfect pattern for parenting. I want to begin to see things from your perspective. Nudge me, bump me, discipline. Uh, challenge me to be a better mother, a better father as I see the perfect way you parent. Help me to see my life through that pattern. And when pain comes my way, God, help me not to think that you hate me or you're disowning me, but rather help me to see it through the lens of you're here to help me. You're just trying to discipline me. I mean, that's what we're about as a church. We want to honor fathers and honor men and honor all of us to know a God who wants to help us in the challenges of life. In fact, as, as we're opening as a church, more than ever, we have an opportunity to comfortably connect people to God through the Bible and the community of growing Christ followers. I mean, we're launching on the weekend two services, a 915 equipping service, verse by verse Bible teaching to equip you to know God, equip you to be the kind of mom and dad you wanna be, the kind of leader you wanna be. We're also gonna launch a 1045 exploring service. But initially, we're not gonna launch children's services or student services, that'll come a little later. So we know on the weekend, we're gonna have a 1045 exploring service, family edition. We're gonna infuse this service in particular, you just heard today, uh, on the weekend, it will occur with some fun, with some ways to keep your whole family engaged. And our team has been working overtime to create different ways that we can meet together while still honoring social distancing. We have about 25% capacity here in this room. We've also installed a 5,000 square foot tent that we're calling Church on the Terrace. Now on a church on the terrace, there's additional seats. So in order to make sure everyone has a place for their services, we wanna make sure that you use our brand new, think open table online service reservation. Every Sunday afternoon, you can go to our website, horizoncc.com backslash reopen, or you'll see at the main page a reopen tab and you can sign up for, for online reservations for the following weekend. You can reserve 915 equipping service or the 1045 exploring service with the family edition. You can pick inside seats or you can pick the outside seats. Now, if you're not ready to come back yet, I'm gonna continue and Drew's gonna continue to deliver online services where we talk directly to you and you can watch those as long as you'd like as well. But if you're ready to come back and connect with some of us, and if you're ready and one of those slots works, just bring your ticket with you, either print it out or bring it on your phone. We'd love to make a place for you. So happy Father's Day. And we are so excited to welcome everyone back to our church. And with that, let's hear a song that we do all the time at our equipping ser service, but it's a song about what it means to have a good, good father. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for the way you work in the middle of challenges and difficulty. And we thank you. We serve a good God and a good father. In Jesus' name, amen.